This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Christian Minetto, welcome to Escape Hour on Joy 94.9. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Come va? (laughs) Bene, grazie. Um, (laughs) Wonderful to be here. (laughs) It's It's lovely to to have you here. And I think you're Melbourne-based. I am Melbourne-born and bred and based. And globetrotting travel writer. Yes, spent a lot of the year abroad, clocking up frequent fly points (laughs) and eating my way through different cultures. Good. Lovely. It sounds the right fit for this. This yeah, absolutely. Program. I think so. <laughs> mm. So you're a travel writer. Yes. And you've recently written a very impressive tome about Rome. Thank you. Um, I have, and uh, it's for a publisher called Hardy Grant, which is actually based in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Um, and it's part of a series. It's good to know that a publisher still exists. <laughs> yes, they do exist. Paper. Yes. No, no, no. Print is, print is not dead and is not dying. It's downsized, but it's certainly not dead. Um, yeah, so this is a book. This is a, pretty much a labour of love because most of the work that I do is actually for Lonely Planet. And I've been working for them for 13 years now. Mm. And And two of the cities you write about the most are... Two of the cities, there's, well, there's LA and New York. <laughs> Which oh, was a big song. Yes. <laughs> nice segue. You and Patsy Gallant. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> um, and Italy's another country that that, um, that I cover. And this is my first book for Hardy Grant. And it's my first book completely, completely from scratch. Because with, with Lonely Planet, I'm, I, I write a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. But all the most of the books that I've worked on, there's been previous editions. So there's always been a little bit of right, stuff that... Right, already done. Yeah, already, yeah, as this is completely written from scratch and photographed from scratch. So when you're doing that Lonely Planet writing, mm. are you sort of contained to a format that's already existing and a, a, and a target market and this is something that you could just get that whiteboard out and start from scratch? Yeah, with with LP, everything's very heavily templated, um, but uh, there's a lot of creative... Uh, there's a lot of space to move creatively. I mean, they, I, I'm commissioned to update content for a particular destination, and then... I have to meet all the intros and the different level. Every city, every region has a different level and that um, comprises of different amounts of work. So I have to meet all those requirements or prerequisites. But then it's up to me to cover what I think needs should be covered. Mm. So there's a lot of room to move there. Because cities evolve. Completely. They're constantly evolving. And I, one of the great things about uh, doing destinations more than once is learning constantly about that city. I mean, Naples is the first city that I covered for Lonely Planet and that 13 years ago. Um, and I've learned so much about that place and I'm still learning. Every time I go there, there's always new stuff to explore and it makes my job very interesting. So let's turn our minds to Rome Precincts, this book that you have written. It's not particularly through an LBGTI lens, is it? It's more about Rome in general. It's Rome in general. So it's not LGBT. Um, particular um, but I suppose that everything that's in here is very LGBT friendly and through your eyes yeah exactly and um, I think generally Italy as a destination is 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 quite LGBT friendly I mean there are parts of the country that are more uh, 
friendly than others, I suppose, are more progressive yeah. in their views. Um, but overall, I think the Italian mindset is, is when push comes to shove, is actually quite flexible and open and, and evolved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, Rome's a big city. Yeah. It's a very important global city. Yeah. yeah so what, what made you fall in love with Rome? The layers, just the beauty. I mean, I'm a Melbourne boy and I love Melbourne, but, you know, we all know with, with newer cities that we have some beautiful architecture, but you have to kind of blur out the bits in between sometimes, you know, <laughs> exactly. and it's like, look how beautiful Melbourne is if you look that way and squint your eyes. Yeah, um, exactly. But, like, with Rome, and I'm talking about central Rome because, in all fairness, I mean, the, the suburbs of a lot of European cities and Italian cities are pretty ugly, yep. like that kind of post-war boom. Brutalist, oh, concrete um, Not very livable. Yeah. Ugly. But the centres, like, the centre of Rome looks like a theatre set. It's, mm. it's absolutely incredible. And I, it does something to you. I think when you're surrounded by beautiful things, it elevates you both, I think, spiritually and also mentally. Well, I think your mood. It's true. It really does. And and I and I find that it also then reflects on the people. The people live and express themselves in very um, dramatic and poetic ways, and in a way that perhaps we do less here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And when you're there, are you really imbued with the whole culture and infused Completely. yourself? Because you speak Italian, yes. right? So you just become a Roman. Is that how you Completely. Uh, absorb the city? Completely. I do. It's funny when you're the son of migrants, how your sense of self or identity is in constant flux. Mm. So, and then sometimes when I'm there, I feel very Australian because my Italian friends will say certain things and I'll just, my Aussie side comes out and thinks, well, actually, I don't see it that way. Or right. uh, 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 as Australians, I suppose we're more casual and less formal and sometimes that comes out. But but overall, when you, when you speak a language, um, it's more than just words, isn't it? It's like a mindset. Correct. So when I'm speaking Italian and I'm with my Italian friends and I'm in Italy, I do feel my Italian side more strongly, mm. I suppose. You do phrase the whole world. Stefan, you're a French mm, native yes, speaker. I'm I a am. German speaker. You're an Italian speaker. <laughs> do you find that same thing when you speak French or do you think you perceive the world slightly yeah, you, through a different lens? I think you do frame it differently and I mm. think the, stru- the language is structured differently and that's, mm. I think that's structured your, the way your brain works as well. Because, the way words um, are weighted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's absolutely true that you, you, it's framed differently and 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 it's difficult. I mean, it was difficult. I mean, I've been in uh, English-speaking countries now for twenty years, so it's mm. a bit better for me. But it's it's a kind of thing that you have to get used to it. And then and culturally, there's still something that shocked me when I in Australia that mm. I, was like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Mm. Well, this is now you would. <laughs> well, probably, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Depends on what it is. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. You're with the Escape Hour, Stefan and Mark. Um, we have a special guest today. We do. We have Christian Bonetto, who's talking to us, Melbourne-based globetrotting travel writer, and we're talking about Rome, Rome through... Uh, Viewed is it a French pronunciation? Rome. That's, that's what <laughs> we were talking about just before the break about yeah. how uh, language frame your your mind and, and yes, that was the French pronunciation of Rome. That yeah. will be yes. And in, good. in Italian, Italian Roma. Roma. Yeah. So see, um, I mean, there is a distinctive national character. I think that I know when I speak German all day or Dutch all day, there is a way that I perceive the world and see the world very Germanly. <laughs> so what is your mind shift when you're in Italy? You all of a sudden the arms start flailing. 
and you no. know pinching women on the bum. No, I think, no, <laughs> I don't do that. Strangely <laughs> enough, um, how do, how is it different? I feel Me too moments I'm more, anyway. I'm perhaps more um, sensitive or ah. emotional. Um, not emotional Frankly as in like crying down the street. <laughs> but I don't know. There's a, there's a word in Italian called tenerezza, which means tenderness. Ah. We don't have Translated loose. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> but I suppose there's that, like with my friends, it's just in the words are so much sweeter and the way you interact with people is different. It's a little bit more sentimental than right. I am with in my Anglo world. Because yeah, English isn't necessarily a very emotional language, but no. it is a very endearing language. It's a bit like yeah. Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the English mindset is, is not necessarily overly uh, connected. It's more measured. It's more measured. That's a beautiful word. Oh, that's so <laughs> How do you say that in Italian? Because that's just... It's misurato. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you set foot in Rome and every time it just must be a kaleidoscope of emotions and experiences yeah. and thoughts. And So what, what is the first thing you do when you get there? Is it eating... Yeah. Well, it depends what time I, I land. If I land in the evening, I just basically have a shower and I go, go for a walk because I like to, at night, just walk around. And even places like the Trevi Fountain, are, you know, they're so busy during the day. But if you go after, I don't know, like 10 o'clock at night, I mean, there's always going to be a few people there, but it's magical because there's like fewer people there. And that's one of the tips that I'd have is do a lot of the sightseeing of obviously not museums because you have to go during opening hours but but that kind of landmark stuff go late at night because you just have it to yourself mm. and it's so magical so it's well lit yeah <laughs> yes it is well lit is it's, it safe do you yes, feel safe yes very yeah. safe well then do it Sounds Absolutely like a great so. opportunity. Have dinner and a glass of wine and then, you know, in that, in that loving haze, go and drink and, in Rome. And, and also, you know, restaurants close later there. So you can go and have dinner, you know, even on a Tuesday night at 10 or 10.30 or 11. It's not a problem. So that's what I do. And then if I get there in the morning, um, I go to uh, Pasticceria, this pastry shop, which is actually not far from the station called Regoli, and they do martozzi, which are these yeast buns, and they're filled with this beautiful um, freshly whipped cream. It sounds, it sounds deadly, and probably is, <laughs> but they're so delicious. And the, the people who work there are so lovely, and I have my espresso, although I have to say that I think that the espresso in Naples is better than the one in Rome. Should we be oh. clutching our pearls? Is this no. a <gasps> and, dare I, and dare I say, moment? can I even go one further than that and actually say that the coffee in Melbourne is better <gasps> than the coffee in Italy? No, you can't say can't say It's that. true. It's true because, you know what, it, it, Italy is only We now. got it from the Italians. We did, but then we improved it, like many things. And how, I do think you, how, do you, how do you think <laughs> that coffee was improved? Because it is such an... Italy has gifted Australia so much with its migrant community and what's Most really definitely. now Australian culture is yeah. so much what has been taken from Italian culture. How can you say this heresy? Because, because... <laughs> and only you as an Italian could get away of, with saying course, this. But it's true. Um, because the Italians over-roast their beans, so you get a very strong but quite a bitter espresso compared to specialty coffee, which we do, where we lightly roast beans here. So you, the, the flavour is a lot more nuanced. And funnily enough, oh. Italy is only now beginning to kind of like be aware of or like go towards specialty coffee. And specialty coffee shops are starting to open up. And there's a place in the book 
um, called Fardor, um, that's owned by this young gun, this very attractive-looking young gun. And and I said to him, gosh, this place reminds me of, of Melbourne. He goes, well, that's where I got the idea because he worked at Las Chicas in Balaclava. No <laughs> and that's Balaclava. Where he, And that's where he first learned about specialty. And then he went and he worked in London and he worked at one of the big micro-roasteries in Berlin mm. and honed his skills and then was brave enough to go back to Rome and to open his own... Actually, Rome's first specialty coffee shop. So, what do you mean by specialty coffee? If so, seasonal beans. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, seasonal mm. beans, not like micro roasted. So, roasted in small batches, not kind of not. commercial quantities. Mm. The kind of stuff that you'd get in a lot of yes. good cafes in Melbourne. And straight mm. opposite, well, uh, not quite straight opposite. Very close to Chickas is that coffee shop with the beans. I don't know if you're very familiar with Carlisle Street in Balaclava. There's a specialty coffee shop which he right. would have gotten a lot of that ideas from, where they do micro roast and they. Yeah. Have uh, special uh, lots, so that sounds very much like that uh, place across the road from Las Chicas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it probably is. So maybe we can give something back to Italy, who has gifted us so generously <laughs> are, for yeah. so long. It has, and uh, and I think that's is it one- popular. It's becoming more popular. It's funny mm. when people go into that because sometimes I'd go and I'd, I'd sit there and I'd with my laptop again because it's got that Aussie culture thing. So they've got the Wi-Fi and they they're okay with people going in there with a laptop and working for hours. As a lot of places in Italy where you just go into the bar and you have your stand-up espresso and then you go. You don't yeah. hang around mm. and they look at you strangely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of young people are more open to it, and and he's very gracious because a lot of people come in and they immediately they go, why is it much more expensive than a normal than a 90 euro cent espresso because mm, right. it'll be might be two euro or whatever it is and he explains to them and and you know some people are more open than others and some are hesitant or suspicious at first because the italians can be quite um traditional in their in the way they do things it's not how nonna does it so yeah it's like yeah. it's always been done this way therefore mm. we will continue doing that but then you know there are people who are kind of open to it and people travel and you know kind of go oh yeah i saw that in i don't know melbourne or yeah. la or somewhere and then mm. they kind of go oh let's try it here mm. have you found the same evolution in in cooking as well or is it still pretty much traditional a lot of it is and there's very distinct Um, regional cuisines you know people like in Australia a lot of people think of Italian food um, as one Mm, generic or unified thing it's not it's it's a collection of different very distinctly regional cuisines that together make up this generic term called Italian cuisine Um, and and so that's very still very strong and I'm glad it is and I think it will always be very strong but there is a, a new wave of of innovative young chefs who are doing great stuff and again in the book like I've showcased quite a few of those restaurants that are doing really interesting stuff and using like here small producers local producers yep. Using tradition as a starting point and then going, okay, let's let's subvert this or subvert that. And also Italy has become an increasingly multicultural country. So you're starting to see influences from minorities in Italy coming into the food as well. And that's quite interesting. So I guess this is Middle Eastern and North African yeah, influences. The Chinese as well. Chinese. Oh, big okay. Chinese community in Rome. Is there? Yep. I There's a Chinatown. Ah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And and what's really strange is I remember t- about 20 years ago when I first went noodles there. noodles are Chinese, aren't they? Yeah. The Marco Polo. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. They've got, you've just Full busted circle. them. Road. Yeah. You've busted Full them. Full circle. Um, yeah, no, uh, there's, there's a lot of... 
a lot, there's more and more kind of cross pollination of ideas and stuff. And then again, there's another place. There's a this a ramen place that's in the book, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And this guy, this young Italian guy, is obsessed with ramen, and he went. He did his, I think, his thesis in in Japanese, and then by chance he met his now wife who's Japanese, in Rome, she was lost. It was just like the typical movie. Yeah, she was lost exactly. and they fell in love. And then he's been going back to Japan and learning the the art of ramen from her uncle who has a ramen restaurant. Oh, wow. So oh, he awesome. opened his own and he it was a pop-up at the back of a gym and then he used to do, <laughs> I think, karate. And then and then it became so popular and everyone was going to the back of the gym after his training session to get this ramen bit, yeah. and he opened his own restaurant. Well, that's a really good story. That's just And so as he got... Italian influences. Or there's a few, yeah. There's yeah. a few influences in there, but it's actually very authentic ramen. Yeah. So it's not this kind of mess fusion mess. It's mm. actually quite authentic. But there's just a few subtle things here and there. That so, what's traditional for the Rome region in terms of cooking that you wouldn't find anywhere else in, well, in Italy? Cacio pepe, for example, the pasta with the oh yes, I think yeah, cacio pepe, mazzucchiato with um. Cheese and yeah, cacciavallo and, and pecorino and pepper and pepper, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's the amatriciana, which is oh, yes, the guanciale, yeah. yes, yeah, with the with the pork gel and uh, the martozzi as well. I think are quite a Roman thing. And uh, there's there's many. Oh, that's right. And then there's a part of Rome called Testaccio, which is where the old abbo- the abattoirs, the slaughterhouses used mm. to be, and that. He's famous for the, um, for basically for offal and and innards and all the yucky stuff that <laughs> most people, you know, feel ill yes. thinking about. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of they do a lot of that like oxtail and that's a kind of quite a robust. I mean, Roman cooking is quite robust and quite rustic, mm. really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. We've got a lot more to talk about in Rome Precincts, which is your book. I, I take my hat off to anybody who can write a book. It's it's a huge endeavour. And this is a beautiful <laughs> book. It's beautifully produced. And we'll talk about some of the Roman Precincts afterwards and, and what surprised and delighted you. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week, made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favourite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcasts. Any show, any show, anytime, joy.org.au. You're on the Escape Hour uh, with Mark and Stefan, and our guest today is uh, Melbourne-based, globetrotting travel writer Christian Bonetto, and we're talking all about Rome. Is that a message? We do have a couple of yeah. messages. Well, it's the same person. <laughs> oh, it's the same. <laughs> oh, I was really Two excited. Um, yes, there's a bit of cross-border oh, controversy from Austria here. Oh. We have a uh, message from uh, Anita Zaz, who I'm assuming may have Austro-Hungarian roots. Oh. Talking about coffee culture and not at least mentioning Vienna. In my defence, I don't... Oh, no, there's more. I haven't been, <laughs> there I haven't is been more. to Vienna. You're going to have to yeah, defend yourself against oh, more. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Especially with Europride coming up there this June. Good good point. You yes, can sit for it. hours in a cuff house in Vienna reading the papers provided there. 
this is ganz gemütlich, eine Zeitung zu lesen. Uh, when you go into a place, uh, like mm. a coffee shop, you can sit for hours and they bring the newspapers on these long sticks. So yes, they, they do that in France as well. Oh, they do it in stick, France as well. Yeah. Yeah, they do it in Austria and Germany. Um, and it's encouraged to spend a lot of time in a Kaffeeklatschen, uh, to sit around talking over coffee and cake. And uh, Vienna is a very good opportunity to do that. So, Anita, bedanke mich ganz herzlich. That's a very lovely thing to, uh, to remind us about. And uh, Europride coming up, Vienna this year. So they don't get annoyed that you're there for hours because I know that in France they're um, starting to get really It's quite really hard to tell whether an Austrian not... or German is annoyed because that's basically <laughs> how they wake up. Well, I'm not going to <laughs> no make comment. any comment from this. <laughs> so um, to see someone who looks now, you know, annoyed is pretty much you know, the default position. So oh, you, you, You'll know in France because people will be slamming things around you and for you to Carrying order like more. Carrying yeah, well, like, putting their cigarette out in your coffee. Well, probably not. <laughs> anymore. They might have done that 20, Maybe on 20 years ago. Oh, on you. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Anita, for your message. That's fantastic. So, uh, coffee culture in Rome is kind of where we um, uh, left off, but um, as you were talking about Italy being such a diverse patchwork of former principalities, you know, very different cultures, um, very different uh, dialects and ways of doing things. Different and history. Big different country, looking people. Different looking yeah. people. The, yeah. the, the North, uh, the Milanese people basically look like uh, Germans, just Germans, well-dressed. Well, a lot of my cousins, oh. my Northern Italian cousins, a lot of them you would think were English or German. Yeah. 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 Well, there's also Zutirol, which is um, maybe an, uh, Anita, uh, if she's Austrian, can speak more to it, which is the German-speaking part of Italy, which most people yeah. uh, forget about. There is a very large part of Italy on the Bolzano, around that area, yeah. which is uh, still German-speaking. Yeah. On the That's right, DJ. Yeah. yeah, the Zutirol. So... Rome and your book points to the patchwork of neighbourhoods and districts and precincts in Rome particularly, and that's what we really want to drill down on now mm. for the rest of the show, is how diverse Rome is. Now, you were talking off air um, that what most people experience is just a snapshot of Roman history. So talk to us about that and what these precincts mean to you. Sure. Well, and what they should mean to other people. Of course. Well, you know, most people go to Rome and are there for a limited amount of time and there's, you know, quite rightly very famous museums and churches they want to look at. And most of those are in a specific number of of uh, precincts or areas of the Centro Storico, the historic centre. And, you know, you could go there and be and leave very happy, you know, because it is so culturally rich, architecturally beautiful, and, and that in itself is enough. However, the book likes to also look at neighbourhoods that are a little bit further out that most visitors would never go to, but it's where the people of Rome, where the Romani hang out, and that's the whole point of the book. So it's not like a typical travel guide that's about, oh, well, you're a tourist and this is what you need to see and this is what you need to do. It's more like it's a curated um, guide to very special places to eat, drink, shop and to just stroll, to be a flaneur in the city. Ah. And that includes neighbourhoods that aren't usually on the tourist itinerary. Would you say that... Uh Typical sort of young funky Romani is going to—is that the right word? Romani yeah. is going to eschew being in those tourist areas they, and really gravitate more to a place where they're comfortable. 
Well, they, I suppose it depends. It's like here. I mean, there's north side, south side, and there's, you know, in Rome, you have the northern Romans and the southern Romans and different, all the different urban tribes, you know, the Indy and the more bourgeois people. So you do get people, you know, who are Roman who go into the centre of Rome and to be seen and to see. But then there's, for example, a neighbourhood that, um, that I look at in the book called Pigneto, and that is east of the city centre. And again, you know, the, the European cities are pretty compact, so mm. it's not like you have to travel 25, 30 k's out to go somewhere completely different. You're just going maybe 5 k's out. And, um, so it's walkable if you're really going to be a flaneur. Like if you're going to take the whole day to just sort of mince you around. Could, you could, although there's a tram that goes from yeah. the Termini, um, from that area, uh, which is the main train station, into Pigneto. And Pigneto is um, a really interesting area because unlike the rest of Rome, which has kind of higher floored buildings, like the average floor height is about six floors in central Rome, this part reminds me more of like if you're in North, like Fitzroy or somewhere, it's all kind of more... Two and three. Two and three, two, even one storey. Old workers' cottages. Really, really interesting. And Pasolini, the famous Italian film director, he um, he filmed Catone and a, a few other films, I think, in that in that particular area. And he lived then. He there's a particular bar called Neci, which he used to hang out in. And so a lot of even to this day, a lot of young people who go there, they're kind of more indie, arty filmmakers, um, you know, songwriters, musicians, all hanging out there. And there's just all this amazing street art as well. And even the neighbourhood just outside of Pineta going one further out, there's these, you know, like we were talking about the the post-war um, apartment buildings, these 12-storey monstrosities. Mm. But then on the actual sides of them, some famous street artists have painted these incredible murals so you can just go and without stepping into a museum queue you can go and enjoy some lovely contemporary art fantastic al fresco uh, so this is kind of like a pran kind of experience would you say mm, it's kind or of it's five k's out yeah yeah it's not that far yeah, yeah. about pretty much the same yeah. amount of time i mean on the tram from from the station it's probably not even 15 minutes oh, 10, okay. yeah, 10 minutes something easy. yeah it's super easy mm. super easy and then like you go it's not like there's just there's this one pedestrianized strip but then if you go off that pedestrianized strip into the side street it's where you'll find some really really interesting stuff for example there and this is another place that's um, featured in the book it's a bookshop that is completely dedicated to art inspired by tattoos but it's not like oh, just wow. yeah but it's not just that you go in then there's books of like people's skin you know <laughs> like you might find it you might you might find a book on Caravaggio you know oh, right. Right. but so it's cut all off heads everywhere so yeah or it'll all be linked in 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 one way or another but quite you know, quite openly, or it's quite free form in how they've interpreted the link. But it's all about um, different things in different, I don't know, different focuses or different um, aspects of art and art history that have influenced. Uh, tattoo art. So outside of Sailor Jerry, we're talking about um, other genres of art that yeah. have given rise a lot of, I guess there'd be a lot of religious art, like Caravaggio. Yeah. 
and, and Japanese. And ah, even, yes, of But course. also even stuff Russian like... Russian tattoo prisons. Art, just <laughs> strange stuff. Like there's a, there was a book I remember on American street art. So it's quite cool. And then like one of the... The guy who owns the shop is actually in the shop. And that's the lovely thing about these places mm. is that they're so... Um, they're so intimate. They're so they kind of immediately like they're like portholes into the city because there's no middleman or middlewoman. There's you just go in there and you immediately talking to the person whose idea it was to open that place, and then they'll tell you like the guy who makes the t-shirts is his mate who is an artist who lives around the corner and he's maybe got a studio and you should check it out and you just end up I having these this. great conversations. And is English widely spoken in these communities? Amongst young people, yeah. it is because you do it all in Italian. That's I do, I do. Most most young people speak. Some will do speak English, and I think a lot of Italians are quite shy. Um, so they, they just freak out and they'll say, No, 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 no non parlo, non parlo inglese, non parlo inglese. But it, when, when push comes to shove, they do. They're just they embarrassed the of making mistakes and stuff yeah. like that. Fair enough. Yeah. But no, I think even if you don't speak Italian, you can go to these places and you'll you'll find people who do and you'll just end up having a great time. And, you know, sometimes it's fun. Like, you know, where it, where it might lead you, a game of charades. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a Joycast from GLD, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Our special guest today is a travel riser author who's just finished a book called Rome Precincts, Christian Bonetto. Uh, just before we went to that fun, fun break, we um, were talking about the different precincts in Rome, and you were talking about one in particular, Pineto. 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 Yeah. Um, so what are the other uh, precincts that really spark joy in this Marie Kondo age? Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, there's another place which is actually... It's, it's much closer to the centre. You could argue that it is the centre, called Monti. Um, and it's behind oh, the Colosseum. Where the come from? Well, it used to be called <laughs> Suburra. <laughs> it used to be called Suburra, and it was where Julius Caesar grew up. Yeah. And the the, 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 the word suburban comes from Suburra. Oh. Is that real? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah fine. Yep. Suburra, because it was considered a suburb, suburb of, yeah. of the capital, um, and now it's basically central Rome. But it's kind of hidden away because it's 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 surrounded by hills, so it's kind of in this little valley, and it feels really intimate. And they have this amazing market on weekends, uh, Mercato Urbano di Monti, and it's all just um, local That's designers. Where the mercantile comes from, isn't it? Yeah. So, it yeah, it, it does. Um, all just really interesting local designers selling everything from really in contemporary jewellery to 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 hats to to coats and there's vintage as well, um, but very high quality vintage. And then they always have DJs playing and oh, wow. it is so super cool. It's so super cool. And again, you know, people think Rome. They think, oh, Rome, old city, you know, monuments and columns and and marble statues. Yes, there's all that, but people forget it's also a, a a, a living, thriving city of, you know, four, four million. Um, There's been young people in Rome for 5,000 years. Exactly. But it's still, it's, it's a modern city and, it, and it, um, it's, it, 
there's some great modern architecture. There's the Maxi Museum, which is designed by Zaha Hadid, the oh, late wow. Zaha Hadid. Lots of curves. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it looks like something out of, I don't know, Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing. Again, with the book, bringing, bringing it back to the book, is that it's an ode to both historical things and tradition but also to the cutting edge and to the current Rome and the, the, the current zeitgeist and, and the interesting young Romans who are doing really, really cool things and some of them emerging again their city's history with their own cutting edge creativity like again jewellery shops and, and fashion designers doing really, really cool stuff. So where is the best place for to do a bit of LGBTI people watching? LGBTI, <laughs> I mean LGBTI everywhere, people watching specifically. Yeah, people LGBTI people, you know, it's, you know. We, yeah. Well, I mean, let's. Uh, let's where put, would I go? <laughs> well, you can go anywhere because well, you in, everywhere in Any. Italy. <laughs> Everywhere and anywhere in Italy. Um, they're quite an attractive group of people. Um, <laughs> but there is, um, right next to the Colosseum in San Giovanni, there's a there's a little street and it's considered the gay village of Rome. And it's, it's very modest. Hmm. Like there's about two or three bars. And again, it's really cool because... They're, they're gay bars, but they're open all day. And it's not just LGBT going. Like, you have, you know, mum and dad and kids going, and it's it's openly gay, but it's cool and, and there's no problem. Like, it's everyone's mm. welcome. But then at night time, I suppose it's probably a little bit more LGBT. Um, uh, you, lots of people congregate there to drink before they go clubbing. They, right. they go there. And people club later there. So people don't usually go to clubs before 11 or midnight. So they, they go out drinking and they'll... What do you they'll, think they do here? Well, I don't know. Can, can you tell that I haven't been out to a nightclub for a while? Well, I used to go out... No, because I used to go out to clubs earlier than that, but maybe it's just because I'm an old nonno. Down inside. I don't know. I've been there, nonno. Um, no, but they do go out late. Clubs don't even open before midnight. Mm. Um, and so they, they go drinking there. And it's amazing because you, you, you're drinking on the street and right literally at the end of the street is the Coliseum. And that's what oh, wow. when, when you have those, you know, pinch me moments yeah. where you're on this street, it's a, you know, there's no cars just driving through. It's everyone's just like mm. out drinking and they drink, they don't drink stupidly. Like yeah. they, they drink in moderation and everyone's just there to have a fun and get tipsy but not get stupid. And then right in front of you is the Coliseum. Pretty amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Set, set so that area, for- San Giovanni, that, that area, um, right next to the Colosseum is is the the hub mm. of of it. But then it's like here, like anywhere that's kind of cool and and trendy is always going to be a, you know a, a presence. And the same is with Trastevere across the river. Um, a lot of bars in Trastevere. There's a few universities. There's like a campus of I think well I can't remember the name of an American university there as well. Okay. So it's quite an international crowd. Mm. Yep. Yeah, well, Rome has been such a huge tourist attraction for, oh, God, hundreds of years. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So if you were to write an itinerary mm. that's non... After people have done, you know, the trophy found and the three coins, blah, 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 and sort of all the big the big things, mm. what would your hit list be for uh, the first three days? 
like? Well, I suppose start off in the centre and by that, not after, after you've seen all the big things like you're talking about, but like Monty is a great area yeah. to go to, especially on weekends when there is the market and there's lots of cafes to go and enjoy. There's a really cool cafe that's also a plant shop which is in the book. Oh, really? So you can go there and you can buy plants or gardening utensils. And then... I love that. They have, a, they have like a communal table at the back and a few smaller tables and they serve organic food and lots of vegetarian and vegan food. Mm-hmm. Um, pluck it off the wall. Aromaticals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they pluck it off the wall because then they put it in the food. <laughs> so that's a really special place. Um, Pigneto, the yep. Um, yep. neighbourhood that I told you. And again, you could spend a good part of a day there just looking at street art and going to the shops and I would go there maybe in the afternoon so you can after you've looked at the interesting shops and you've looked at the street art the bars are opening up and you can have an aperitivo mm-hmm. the great thing about a aperitivo in Italy is when you buy a drink you always get nibbles for free ah. so the drinks cost less than here and oh, you actually nice. get food as well so you get fed as well you get fed as well so and, what and do they serve typically does, does, does it change all over Rome I'm sure it does all over Italy but it, it, de- it depends where you go some places will it'll be something as simple as chips like Mm. just potato crisps but in Italy the idea of drinking without there being food Mm. is quite uncivilised mm-hmm. so you, wherever there's I don't know it's probably in France same, you yeah. don't the idea of having a table where everyone's just sitting there with a bottle of wine just seems very yeah, sad and you, poor you'd get some olives or yeah, peanuts or exactly something. exactly so it's olives or peanuts but there are certain places you go to and you might pay a bit more but they put on like a buffet there's a place in Trastevere called Freni Frizioni and they basically that's dinner I think I can't remember how much you pay for the drink but then you have this buffet and you can keep going back and they've got cool Course and pasta dishes and salads and maybe polpette like meatballs, and it's dinner. And like by the time you've 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 had that, you just go, that's it. Like I'm done. Crisis averted. (laughs) (laughs) And money saved. Money saved, particularly when you're travelling and paying for that accommodation. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy ninety four point nine. We are with um, Christian Bonetto, who is um, talking about Rome. And it's precincts. Uh, and we had a really good discussion on uh, where to go, which precinct to, to go. So if you had to choose one of this precinct to, to live in. To live in? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my true. God. Maybe Nomentana, which is to to the east. So that's the one, the five, five kilometres. No, from, that's oh, no. Pigneto. Oh, this that's is Pigneto. another oh, one. I'm getting confused now. This is another <laughs> one. I the I will. You need, I will take it's one of the, the, Yeah, it's one of many yeah, precincts in there. Um, and I would live there because... So, yes, I was going to. It's, be, it's, it, it's a very comfortable place to live. There's some lovely places to eat and drink. Um, very few tourists go there. So mm. you really feel like you're in proper, proper Rome. Mm. Um, but again, it's very close to the centre. Okay, and yeah. and it's fairly low rise. No, this low one. No, this is quite the average six six oh, story right. buildings. But there's a lot of green. It's next to two very big parks. That sounds lovely. Um, it is absolutely beautiful. So, in all these precincts you, you feature in there, and the patchwork of precincts in in your book, there's accommodation as well for for people that want to. No, no, not, no, not no, all no, of no. them. No, um, oh, but there's accommodation in the precincts, yes, definitely, in, the precincts. In, in these actual quarters. But I'd, in the book, I don't talk about, like, hotels and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. 
but no, there's definitely an Airbnb. Gosh, I'm sure you'll find you'll find lots of um, of places of options, to sleep. Yeah, options definitely. for people to to stay and be yeah. really in in the the Roman living with the so out of the tourists completely. Beaten, completely. Yeah, that sounds like a really really so good the, way to do it really the listeners have to find their own accommodation oh, yeah. and once they've done that then I can help them with the rest <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the escape hours yeah, it's been lovely to fantastic. explore Roman precincts grazie mille prego mille uh, we'll have to have you on and again another time with, uh, and you can talk to us about uh, things you're writing for the Lonely Planet particularly New York mm. to our LA which is our theme song yes <laughs> I think we, we, we need to hear a little bit more about New York LA yeah absolutely we can never have enough um, actually you should come back and talk to us about LA because LA is resurging in popularity. It is becoming a very different city because no one can afford to live in San Francisco. I anymore. am obsessed with LA, and I yeah. think people don't understand Los Angeles. So I would be more than happy to come back. Let's and do talk that. To We're going to yeah. like schedule a program on LA because it's it's becoming very very hip and cool. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy ninety four point nine. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast. Brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.